0: Well, it's been an interesting weekend. This is the third service, and I appreciate folks responding and coming to Saturday night, some to early this morning, and then today. The coronavirus pandemic is real, and it's with us. However, I think it's also important that we use common sense and understanding. According to an assessment that comes out of Georgia Tech University in Atlanta, Georgia, and evaluated by economists, there's a less than 1% chance of catching coronavirus in crowds of less than 1,000. I say that because there's a whole lot of information going around and people are frightened. This week I was at a surgery at six o'clock for one of our cancer patients here from the church in downtown Detroit. Dr. Gilreath, who was in the first service this morning, has been on the board there at Henry Ford, and, and I said, please pass along, you know, my thanks. The surgeons and the nurses were calm. They were professional. Not a one of them were wearing a mask, and when I talked to them about that, there was just not fear and panic among them. They were there serving and doing what they're called to do. We have always known at Woodland that God has called us to a confident faith. We've always known that God has called us to have a growing and increasing faith. And because of that, we know that God has called us to love and to serve. God has given us peace and not panic, and we're not going to live in anxiety during this time. Jesus said if we try to save our life, we'll lose it. But if we're willing to lose our life, we'll gain it. My niece's mother was exposed to the coronavirus this week, caring for a sick patient. They didn't know that she was a coronavirus patient, but her mother is a strong, faith-filled Christian, and she is not at all worried. The recovery rate seems to be very, very strong, unless you are someone that is immunocompromised or you're someone that is elderly. Marie is... My niece's name, she's the wife of a young pastor, and they're at their church ministering this morning. I'm grateful that you're here, but I'll tell you what I said on the video and what I said in the email this week. For those who are frightened and stay at home, then there's no shame in that. We need to pray and walk together through this time. Pastor Corey read you a verse of scripture from Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to read you another passage of scripture. And both of these are about small groups of people that went through storms together. Both of these passages are about boats being at sea. Both of these passages indicate that you can't get away from the presence of God. God is going to be with you. Ships in those days were not like the big ships today, like your cruise ships that carry thousands. They carried a very small, limited number of people. When Pastor Corey read the message, the the text to you this morning, there was a word there, Jesus insisted that they get into the boat. That's a very strong word in the Greek language, that Jesus was adamant, you're going to get in this boat and you're going to go across the sea and I'll meet you on the other side. Sometimes God puts us into a storm. Sometimes it's God's plan to put us in a storm, but he always puts us in a storm with a small group. And so I think one of the things that we have to decide right now is that God is allowing us to go through this storm together. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me out of respect for the word of the Lord and I want to read the second passage of scripture to you and then we're going to pray this morning. I'll give you a little background to this story. Paul is on a prison ship. It's not a big ship. It's carrying grain and they're on their way to Rome. They put in because of bad weather into a a harbor. It wasn't the best of harbors, but it was a harbor. And the Lord spoke to Paul and says, you need to tell them, don't leave this harbor. And so Paul tells them, but they choose not to listen. And they go out to sea, and they hit a storm. In that storm, the men were fasting and not eating. And so we'll pick up there at Acts chapter 27, verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. And finally, Paul called the crew together and says, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. How many of you ever said that to your teenager before? You should have listened to me. Sure. If you don't have teenagers, trust me, the day will come. You should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete, and you would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, and would you read this out loud with me this morning? God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God It will be just as He said. Now, friends, it's important to note, God said not one person would be lost, not believers and not unbelievers. You and I are the salt and the light of this earth. God has put us here to be a blessing to our community, not just to the body of Christ, but to lost people as well. Our mission statement says we celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ, and how we respond and how we react during this time. People are watching, and this is an opportunity for us to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I've been amazed at the conversations that I've been able to have about the coronavirus already, and I'm sure that you've been amazed as well. So far, I think the greatest need that I think people have expressed to me they have is the need to find toilet paper. I saw a meme last night on Facebook, if you remember the old Indiana Jones movies where he holds a little bag of sand to get a little golden statue so he doesn't get hit by poison arrows, and last night, Indiana was holding the bag of sand, and in place of the statue was a roll of toilet paper. Friends, if that's our biggest problem, we've got nothing to worry about. Let's agree together in prayer. My Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. We don't make light of this virus, and we don't make light of the pandemic, but we make much of you, Lord. We make much of the God whom we serve. We make much, Lord, of your care and your provision and protection for us. But we also make much, Lord, of storming the gates of heaven in prayer. Prayer for one another, Prayer for those that, of our families that they will be protected. Prayers for the doctors and the researchers who are looking for a cure to the coronavirus. Prayers, Lord, to you, for you have the ability to destroy this virus and to kill it and stop it in its tracks. Prayers, Lord, that we will be wise during this time, and we will take opportunity, Lord, not to flee in panic, but to stand up and to serve faithfully in the name of Jesus as the church has done in plagues and in times of hardship before. And we make much, O Lord, of your provision for us through the name of Jesus, through his blood and by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Now we ask you in the few moments that we have together, you would speak to us and encourage and strengthen our hearts and give us wisdom. For it's in Christ's holy name I pray. And everybody said Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Well, as I said to you just a few moments ago, God often puts us into storms. Jesus insisted that the disciples sail across the sea. It was His plan. It wasn't that He created the storm, but He put them in that vessel to sail across the sea, knowing that there would be a storm to come. But in putting them in that vessel to sail across the sea, it's important that you understand that Jesus knew what He was doing. His plan was not to sink their ship. His plan was to settle in them His mastery of the wind and the waves as well as everything else in this world. I think one of the greater miracles that we fail to look at at times, and I've talked to sailors, I've talked to people about this in the Navy before, is that when Jesus spoke to the winds and they died down, the Bible says also the sea became calm. And those of you that have ever lived close to the ocean or maybe been out on the Great Lakes during the storms, the sea doesn't instantly become calm because of all of the activity and the motion that's taking place in the water, but even the seas become calm. God has got everything under control. And though the vice president and his team was mocked this week because they bowed their heads in prayer as they asked the Lord for guidance and as they asked the Lord for wisdom while they met together, there are always going to be people who scorn our faith, and there are always going to be people that mock our faith. But I am grateful for men and women who seek the face of the Lord while they're doing their research and their due diligence at the same time, aren't you? That they do what God has called them to do. So let's settle the fact up front. God is not ignorant about coronavirus. God is not ignorant about the cure, and He's not ignorant about our need. But God did not design the coronavirus. There's no one at this point that knows exactly how the coronavirus came about. I have gotten a lot of opinion pieces and very little news and medical research that people have sent to me. Even this morning, I just checked to see if I was still getting, and there were people saying, you've got to read this, Pastor, and I look at the author, it's not a doctor, it's not even a journalist, but it's an opinion writer saying what they think we ought to do. We've got to be careful who we're listening to during this time. We've got to be careful that we listen to people that are wise, people who know what they're talking about. There's another thing that I want you to see about this, that God always has a plan. And God's plan is for you and I not to go through this time alone, but God's plan is for us to continue meeting in our small groups. God's plan is for us to continue worshiping together and praying together. Small groups are essential for us for our spiritual health, for our emotional health, and even for our physical health. Ezra Klein wrote this week, and Ezra is a Jewish man, and a very liberal thinker, but Ezra wrote this week in Vox, the coronavirus is also going to cause what we might call a social recession, a collapse in social contact. Now listen, a collapse in social contact that is particularly hard on the population's most vulnerable to isolation and loneliness, older adults, and people with disabilities or pre-existing health conditions. That is not going to happen to the body of Christ at Woodland Church. We believe that God has called us to minister to one another. The stats I shared with you just a few moments ago from Georgia Tech was to encourage us that we don't need to be in fear. We need to be smart. We need to be wise. I don't know why. In the 21st century, we're having to remind people to do stuff that your mama told you to do. Wash your hands. Use a Kleenex and cover your mouth. If you don't have a Kleenex, use your elbow. You know, those are just common sense things. My daughter said they're teaching the children to wash their hands singing happy birthday so they'll get 20 seconds in. I've got a better suggestion. Teach your children to sing Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, while they wash their hands. And let's just wash and be clean. We have taken extra precautionary measures here at the church to protect you and to protect your children. One of the things that Paul said in his day was in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 when he said we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together even more as we see the day approaching. Why? Because we want to encourage one another. Paul was well aware of plagues. Paul was well aware of how a plague could take an entire city and wipe that city out. And so when Paul wrote these words... Paul wrote not in fear of us gathering together. He wrote in fear that we would fail to assemble together and to worship. There is healing by us being together to worship the Lord this morning. That doesn't mean that we have to be foolish. I miss shaking hands. I miss hugging necks. Both services prior to this one, I have wanted to shake. People have extended their hands and I've said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to shake your hand, but I will give you a chicken wing. One of the ladies in the church said, Pastor, some people are tapping feet and We found out I'm not very coordinated because she tried to tap feet with me this morning. I says, one of us is going to fall and that's going to be very embarrassing. So, you know, you do the chicken wing thing, do the air high five, I don't care. But let's gather and worship together with one another. The third thing I want you to see is that God always brackets storms with miracles. God always brackets storms with miracles. In the story, especially the story that Pastor Corey read to you this morning, Prior to Jesus putting the disciples out to sea in the boat alone, Jesus had taken a little boy's lunch that he gave to him, and he had fed 5,000 people. Now, if a liberal newspaper had got a hold of that, they would have said, Faith preacher takes a little boy's lunch. But instead, Jesus took the little boy's lunch, and he fed 5,000 people with it, and they gathered up the remains, 12 baskets full. And I imagine, in my imagination, that Jesus sent the disciples home with that little boy to teach him that when you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over without measure." The second thing I want you to see is that after the storm, the Bible says they went to Genesaret, and that the sick were healed, as many who touched Jesus, and Jesus was healing all of them. God brackets storms with miracles, and here's what I want you to understand this morning. Life is just not one continual story of miracles. In between the miracles, there are storms in between the miracles, you're going to have trials and problems. And I wish that there was a wand that researchers could just wave and that the coronavirus would go away. And I wish that there was a Harry Potter wand that we could just wave over your problem and they just go away. But I have lived a long time now. I have lived through the n- nuclear bomb scares when we were children being taken out in the hallway and told to bend over and put our heads over our our hands over our heads I don't know what good that would have done in a nuclear attack, but that's what they were teaching us in those days. We have lived through pandemics. We have lived through epidemics. Here, together as a congregation, we have lived through Y2K. We have lived through two major influenza bouts. We have lived through two national financial emergencies. And above all of that, we have lived through 9-11. And every single time, we have seen God provide. Can you say amen? Amen. So, I think it's important to remind ourselves that God brackets storms with miracles, but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a storm. And when you're in a storm, it's not that God has lost sight of you, but God is going to settle in your heart. This storm is not going to sink your boat. And in the middle of that storm, Jesus will always come. There's something else I'd like you to see this morning. When this storm passes... We're going to have another storm. I don't know what it will be, but there will always be another storm that comes along in our lives. The storm that they're in, they didn't have to be in. The storm that Paul is in, and the ship is in, and his fellow passengers on the ship are in, they didn't have to be in that storm. The reason that they're in that storm is because they ignored what God had told Paul. They ignored the word of the Lord. Why? Why? Because like anybody trying to make a buck, like anybody trying to do their job, they were impatient. And what's one of the things that we learned as children? If you get impatient, you're going to make mistakes. The very first little proverb I learned outside the Bible was the story of hasty pudding. Does anybody remember that story as a kid? It was a story our teachers taught us. And then the little maxim that we learned as a result of that is haste makes waste. I'm not going to retell the story. Some of you are going, no, I've never heard that story. You've missed a lot not being able to grow up in the country in Georgia. There's so many things that they taught us there. The second thing I want you to see is nothing can keep you from the presence of God. God is not hidden from us. God is not hidden from you. God is not hidden from me. Nothing can keep God's presence from you and me. You see, in the middle of the storm, Jesus came walking to them. And the Bible says... The Bible says, now listen, that it was about three o'clock in the morning, the darkest time of the night, and sometimes it's darkest just before the storm, and there Jesus came walking to them on the water, and he came to them, and he said, peace be still. Here's what I want you to know. You've said, you've heard me say this so many times over the years, if you can stand the pulling, God is going to pull you through. God will pull us through the storm. When I came back from Asia with an E. coli infection that was bursting organs in my body, and they said I was going to die, it was a three-year storm But here I am today, still preaching the gospel, healthier than ever, I believe, and enjoying life and enjoying my grandchildren. Did we go through a storm? Yes. Did the doctors help? Yes. But according to two of my surgeons, what happened in my life was nothing short of a miracle. And Dr. Tarigula said, I don't even believe in miracles, but you are a miracle. God brackets storms with miracles. Don't give up on the miracle working power of God. Don't give up on answers to prayer. Don't give up on praying for the researchers and the scientists. We're in this thing together. But you can make the storm worse. And you say, Pastor, how can I make the storm worse? Well, you can make the storm worse through several things, but I'd like to take you through one more passage of Scripture this morning. Look at Acts chapter 27 and verse 11 with me. The centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than what was being said by Paul. Now notice that. You might want to outline that or circle that in your Bible. He was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than what was being said by Paul. It's important who you listen to. Let's keep reading. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. When the moderate wind had came up, look at that. Sometimes it looks like things are getting better before they really do get better. But when a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close and shore. There are several things I want to point out here. The Satyrian chose to listen to the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship rather than Paul. There's a lot of bad advice going on around right now. I call my family in Georgia. They've got plenty of groceries on the shelves in the stores. I call my family who live in Florida and the coast of Florida. There's plenty of food and there's plenty of toilet paper on the shelves in Florida. I said, why aren't people panicking there? They said, we don't know why. We've seen the news. We've seen that people are panicking, you know, in parts of the country. But they go to the grocery store like normal. When you get bad advice that the end is here People begin to hoard and people begin to just do things that hurt other people in town. There are parents that cannot get milk and eggs to feed their children right now at the grocery store. Folks, some people live paycheck to paycheck and they depend upon going to the grocery store each week. We don't need to be foolish right now. There are crazy ideas that are coming out. I read an article in the paper this week. There is a company that's trying to persuade the government that they need to buy the Thermal imaging cameras like they use in China and put it on street corners and in shopping centers and where people gather and congregate because with those thermal cameras, they can tell whether or not you've got a fever, just like they do in China, observing their people. Friends, we don't need to surrender any more civil liberties in the United States than what we have already surrendered right now. There's bad advice going out there, but somebody says, well, this way we can force people to isolate. Friends, I think most people will quarantine themselves. And then sometimes you'll just find people, they don't like the advice they get, so they keep asking somebody till they find somebody that will finally agree with them. And so what I want to say to you this morning is be careful who you're listening to. That's for the first in service and last night service. I had to be very short on time. Second thing is popular opinions popular opinions. The ship's crew voted. One time, the children of Israel listened to 10 spies who brought back a bad report, rather than to two spies who believed the word of the Lord. The Bible says because of that, they listened to the majority report. Because of that, they wandered in the land of Israel. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Sometimes the minority report is right. Right. The, we have to be careful about what the majority is saying because the majority can be often wrong. And then circumstances. When I look at this passage of scripture, and a moderate wind began to blow, I got to be honest with you. I've been on the Mediterranean Sea. Nothing could be finer than to be on an ocean liner in the middle of a Mediterranean cruise. The blue waters, the warm winds, seeing all the sights there are to see, and the circumstances looked fa- fine. so they ignored what the Lord had said to the apostle Paul, and they set out to sea. I don't mean to be insulting here, but it is just absolutely foolish to ignore the word of the Lord. And then the fourth danger I see is the danger of drifting. And when the ship had lost control because of the storm, they began to drift. And it's very important that we don't lose our focus and our purpose and our vision and our mission during this time. The second value statement at Woodland Church is this, that every person needs a biblical moral compass to guide him or her. Would you say that with me? Every person needs a biblical moral compass to guide him or her. The Bible says they gave way to the storm and they let themselves be driven along. And I fear in the panic that is happening right now, some people are responding wisely, but some people are being driven along by the news media, by politicians who are trying to use this as a political uh, football to help their cause. Friends, we need to be careful who we're listening to. There are reliable opinion writers out there. I don't mean to throw every opinion writer under the bus. I listen to people like Russ Duthat. I listen to people like David Brooks. I listen to people who write with good common sense, but also have a, somewhat of a, of a moral background to them. It's important to listen to people who, who are actually doing the research and they're doing real journalism. And it's also important to listen to your doctors. When I spoke to these nurses and surgeons this week at Henry Ford, when I spoke this week to find out and to get some information from others, one of the things that I heard over and over is there is no need to panic. There is no need to fear. If we will observe the simple basic things that I referred to in the first part of this message, if we will simply do what our mothers taught us, we're going to come through this thing just fine. And so I ask you, number one, let's respond instead of panic, let's respond with prayer. Be well rested, eat well, sleep well, be with your family, be with your small group, worship with us, but start and end every single day as the child of God that you are. Remember the words of Jesus. He will never forsake us. He will never leave us. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is that God has said to us, In Hebrews, he will never leave nor forsake us. He will never abandon us. The Greek tense of that is, he will never let go of us. When I was a little boy one time, I say, a little boy, I was a teenager, and I got into an argument with with my dad, and I remember saying to my dad, I may just leave home. And my dad looked at me and says, fellow, you can do that. You can leave home if you want to, but I will turn this country upside down till I find you. And when I find you, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to squeeze you. I'm going to let you know how much you're loved. And then I'm going to spank you till your hide won't hold shucks. <laughs> you know what my dad was saying to me? I'm never going to let go of you. In all of his life, he never did. God's not going to let go of you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers, read this with me, in harmony with God's own will. Say that again. In harmony with God's own will. And when we know that God causes everything, does that include the coronavirus? Everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. God will bring good out of this time. I was a young pastor in Macon, Georgia when the HIV virus first erupted. Becky and I were very fortunate. We were selected by the state of Georgia and sent to a conference on on caring for people with HIV. And I will never forget at that conference that we attended and where we learned so much. Walter Reed Army Hospital hosted that, and we were being told what the Army was doing, how the military and the Pentagon was responding. We had experts who spoke to us about the HIV virus. And so, when we were able to come back, we were able to network with other leaders in Georgia. But I remember all of the silly things, the prejudicial things, the hateful things, the fear-mongering and the scaremongering that took place. People that were afraid to go to a public bathroom, people that were afraid to, to go to a restaurant… People that if someone was unfaithful to their wife or if somebody was homosexual, they were immediately against them and treated them as the enemy. People who were afraid to go get a surgery because they might have to get a blood transfusion. Friends, there's a lot of bad information. We will do well to respond in prayer and trust that God will work through us and God will raise up individuals who know how to help us and lead us during this time. God will cause everything to to work together for your good, my good, and for the glory of God. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? (laughs) Hallelujah. The second thing I would ask you to do this morning is let's respond with worship. Worship is the greatest thing we can do right now, to lift our hands in praise and lift our hands in song, to worship privately, not just here at the church, but to lift our hands, to bow on our knees before the Lord in prayer. Because as we bow in prayer, we remind ourselves of who we are and who God is. We will make some changes at Woodland during this crisis. One of the changes we've made is how we receive communion. We will no longer be passing the communion down the aisles during the crisis. We've already ordered prepackaged communion. We'll ask you to come down front and you will take a communion package from us and then we'll all take together and you'll be able to open yours up and it will have the wafer and it will have the, the juice there for you to be able to receive communion with us. This way we avoid touching anything that perhaps we shouldn't be touching. We're asking you to change the way we greet around here. I told you earlier I miss shaking hands and hugging necks and some people came up to me sticking out their hands this morning. I said, I'm sorry. I want to shake your hand, but I'm not going to do that because of ministry to other people. We will continue to pray for the sick. As pastors, we will continue to visit the hospitals and pray with the sick. We will have the anointing with oil according to James chapter 5 as we pray for the sick after the service, but you're going to notice a little difference. You're going to have to ask us because we're not going to presume that you want to be anointed with oil. So if you want to be Pray for an anointing with oil. You just simply say, would you anoint me with oil, according to James chapter 5. And we will do that. And after we pray, we're going to do something that we hope you're not offended by. But we're going to take and we're going to put some hand sanitizer on our hands. We don't believe you're dirty. We don't even believe you're contagious. But we want to protect the next person we're going to pray for behind you. Is that okay? Okay. If not, then pray for yourself, okay? And the next thing we're going to do is we're going to continue to receive the offering, but rather than pass the baskets down the aisle, we're going to ask you if you'll give your tithes and offerings This church is depended upon by so many people, not just here in our community and in Detroit and in Michigan, but around the world, the ministries of this church where we're supporting feeding children in schools. We have missionaries at some of the very hottest spots of the world right now where the coronavirus has erupted and proper care hasn't been taken, but they're staying faithful to minister there. So I'm asking you, so that God's blessings continue upon your home, that you stay faithful with your tithes and offerings, so that God's blessings will rest upon this church, so that we can continue our ministries around the world. This is also a good time, if you haven't set up recurring giving, or if you haven't used our online way to give, that you look at that as well. You see, Paul not only prayed, but he worshiped during the storm. And while he worshiped, look at what happened. Acts chapter 27 and verse 23. That night an angel of the God to whom I belong. You belong to him this morning. All people belong to God whether they recognize it or not. All people by right of creatorship belong to God. This world belongs to God. But an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. I find strength in that. I find comfort in that. That in the middle of the storm, I can respond to the storm because God is beside me. We were planting a church in Baroloche, Argentina one time. When we got off the plane and our team got off the plane, we had a sound system that we had spent a lot of money for. And when we got to the where we were going to set up, all of that sound equipment that we had bought had been stolen. Somebody came to us and said, we know where your sound equipment is. There is a discotheque. Bataloche is a very rich town in the southern part of, of, of Argentina. It says there's a local discotheque that stole all of your equipment. This might have not have been the smartest thing I've ever done in my life, but I look like Mickey Mouse compared to some of you who look like King Kong. I had some big farm boys from Georgia. We had been in Buenos Aires and I had taken them to a leather shop and they had all bought black leather jackets. They looked like thugs from Chicago. I went and got five of those guys and says, come on, you're going with me. And so here I went with five of the biggest boys you've ever seen. We walked into the discotheque and I said to the manager, I want my sound equipment. And he looked at those five guys, and he said, we are so sorry. And he went and bought all of our sound equipment back to us. Now, the reason we got our sound equipment back is not because I was mean and powerful. I had five big farm boys standing next to me that would have been all too happy to have had a conversation right there. The point is, you have got the great I Am. You have got the captain of the ship. You have Jesus Christ standing with you today in the middle of a storm. But oftentimes, we're not aware of that if we're not praying and worshiping. It's why I say to you, fill your life with song. Fill your life with worship music. When Becky and I were pastoring our first church, I bought a 35-millimeter camera. We were going to the Grand Canyon, and I didn't know how to use it. All we'd ever had were these little Instamatic cameras, and so we had a photographer in our church, and... This is back in the days of f stops and settings, shutter speeds, and all of that stuff. It's not automatic like it is now. And he taught me how to use my camera, but he taught me three things I've never forgotten there is a foreground, there is a subject, and there is a background. And you've got to get all three of those right to get a good photograph. Is that right, Pat? You're a videographer. Well, the foreground is the coronavirus. The subject is you and me. But in the background this morning, we need to know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And there are more that be for us than those that be against us today. And that's what I see happening for Paul in the middle of this storm. So the third thing I would say to you this morning is respond with wisdom understanding and knowledge. Respond with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Let's look at this passage from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, He created the heavens. And by His knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles beneath the night sky. My child, read it with me, Don't lose sight of common sense and understanding. Would you say that again? Common sense and understanding. Washing your hands is common sense. If you're sick, stay at home. That's common sense. Covering your mouth when you cough or when you sneeze is common sense. Yesterday, somebody didn't mean to, but they coughed and sneezed all over me. And I didn't want to embarrass them, so I just turned around, wiped everything off, went to the bathroom and washed my face and washed my... They didn't mean to, and I didn't say a word about it. Somebody told me they were in the bank, or my wife was telling me, somebody told them it was in the bank, and somebody sneezed, and the man in front of them or behind them, wherever he was at, honey, said, back up six feet, back up six feet. (laughs) Friends, common sense and understanding... (laughs) All right? (laughs) We are people of faith. I'm not mocking the man. I know he's afraid. I know I understand why he's afraid. But God says he established this world with wisdom. That's his creative know-how. That's his power. And God imparts wisdom to you and I. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of wisdom. And you have not because you ask not. If you feel like you need wisdom, go to the Lord and ask him. God established this world with understanding, and God has given to you and me the capacity to understand how we should live, how we should worship, and how we should serve our families, our communities, lost people, hungry people, sick people. God has given us the wisdom to know, excuse me, the understanding of how to do this. Take care of the elderly. Don't be afraid. Just not let the elderly be in any sort of social isolation. Let's meet with our small groups, but God also says He establishes Earth with knowledge as well. And the one thing that I know today, our God is able. our God is capable, our God is all-powerful. Our God will pull us through this time. That's the knowledge of the Lord that sustains us. You and I are going to get stressed. We're going to get stressed by the struggle. When we went through the financial reversal here in Michigan, the last one, the big one, we went through that financial reversal, we lost 12 tithing families in one quarter. We had underemployed people. We had unemployed people. But there was an article written about our church that had people calling us from all over the country because... Our missions giving went up and our church's finances went up during that time because God is never stressed by the struggle. We were stressed, but we had one of our greatest years ever. I want you to know God's going to provide every need that you and I have. And then fourthly, respond by being faithful to your purpose. When that ship began to drift, it broke apart. God in His mercy because of Paul being on that ship... God in his mercy said to Paul, no one is going to perish on this ship. I was flying back from Brussels where I had been preaching. I was on the plane. I'll never forget it. It was one of those, if you remember, the L-1011s. And I was sitting in the center section, and this drunk guy came and sat down beside me. And I had hoped to have some room by myself. It's the reason I sat in the center section, was to be able to sleep. He poured out, he pulled out of his pocket a little silver flask, and he says, would you like a little medicine for the flight? And I said, no. He said, it will help you sleep. I said, I don't drink. He says, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher of the gospel. He goes, oh, and he didn't say another word to me. He sipped on his little flask. He didn't move. We hit an air pocket crossing the Atlantic Ocean. The plane dropped, and he screamed out, we're not going to die. We're not going to die. There's a man of God on this plane. Prince, my presence on that plane wouldn't save him. But here's what I'm going to say to you. The presence of our church and other Bible-believing churches in this community, God is going to work through the Christians in this community to bring hope and life and salvation because we're not going to panic. We're going to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. So we have a destiny. God said to Paul, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. And then finally this morning, remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. So Paul looks at those men. He's honest with them. He said, the ship's going to sink, but no one's going to be lost. I can't tell you what's going to happen to the economy. I can't tell you what's going to happen with anything else. But I can tell you this, I believe the promises of God. And I believe there's healing in the name of Jesus. I believe there's protection in the name of Jesus. That he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. All the promises of God are summed up in Jesus' promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I believe the promises of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness, and everything else shall be provided unto you. I believe the promises of God. We will pray for the sick. And when we got news that the young woman, the young mother who had cancer surgery this week, that the doctors were able to get all of the cancer and that the prognosis is good, we rejoiced. Friends, don't ever forget the promises of God. Because some of the opinion writers, and, some, and news today doesn't seem to be journalism anymore. It seems primarily to be talk shows and talking heads and opinion writers. When I looked, and again, I was so proud of Henry Ford Hospital. I, I don't know if they have a stock. I'm not invested in them. It's not even the hospital I use. But when I saw the compassion, the care, and the way the nurses and the staff ministered at that hospital in downtown Detroit this week, I was overwhelmed with gratitude. Friends, this is not a time of panic. We have the peace of the Lord that passes all understanding. So, would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. And then I want to read a blessing over you from the Word of the Lord. Father, Father, in the precious and the holy name of Jesus, I thank you for the amazing peace and the amazing grace that you give to all who trust in your name. Lord, I thank you for people, leaders, doctors, and scientists who are not just depending upon their research, but they're looking to you in prayer, saying, Lord, open our eyes. Open our understanding. And I ask you for all of us, Lord, give us the grace to hear what you're saying during this time. There is a cure for this, And Lord even if there wasn't a cure you were able to speak death to this virus and destroy it in the name of Jesus. Father I ask you to help us to remember the gifts that you have given to us. Gifts of hospitality, gifts of service, gifts of ministry. Lord help us to remember that all of those nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, you said they are given for the common good. So help us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together in our small groups, in our ministry groups, and help us to lean into the gifts that you've given to each of us. And I pray as well, in the model of Our Lord, when the scriptures say that Jesus went about preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven and doing good, that Lord, we will share good news and that Lord, we will do good to our neighbors and our subdivisions, to our colleagues. And when we are scorned, may it not cause us to shy back from doing good when we are mocked and ridiculed, but may we instead step up to the plate more boldly than ever and love and serve in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you as well that you would help us to confidently and clearly and succinctly, Lord, communicate the reason for our hope. Now Lord, I believe above all that the people in this room this morning though it's a fraction of what we would normally see Lord, there's a boldness and there's a courage in them to gather in your name. But I ask you for them and for those who came to the other two services God, would you shelter and protect them Would you give them creative ideas? Would you remind us of people who cannot get out because of age or infirmity? Remind us of people who need, Lord, the compassion ministries of this church. And the Lord, we will offer ourselves. (laughs) And I pray that many lost people will come to know you during this time i pray that folks will come to see i can only imagine what happened to those sailors whose lives were spared even after they wanted to kill paul and the other prisoners the centurion said no And their lives were spared because of the presence of the man of God. I can only imagine what the response of those islanders were, Lord. When Paul was attacked by that venomous serpent and they said, surely this man is a great sinner. And they're all when he didn't drop dead. Jesus, I ask you, would you perform signs and wonders so that lost people in our community will come to know you? And would you remind us, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. These are the promises of God. Now, Lord, as we bow our heads and worship, I pray the words of Psalm 5 and verse 11 over this congregation as a blessing. Let all of us be glad who have turned to hide ourselves in you. May we keep shouting for joy forever because you overshadow us with your presence and we sing and we rejoice. And I pray that every lover of your name will burst forth with endless joy for you wonderfully bless the righteous. And your grace, your favor, wraps tightly around each of us and covers us with a canopy of your goodness so we walk out in the shelter of your love. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And everyone that would receive that blessing said, Amen and Amen.